Hello, this is Alejandro, and this is going to be my first attempt at a podcast. These podcasts are going to be called Letters to Penny, and in these Letters to Penny, they're basically a direct message to Penny in the future. If she ever gets to see these, um, that would be awesome. Um, It could be me sharing it with her. It could be somebody else sharing it with her if something happens to me before then. Uh, But she could even see them now. It's just I'm doing it to kind of preserve the memory and kind of give her my life lessons and things that I know that I'd like to pass on to her into the future. Uh, This first episode is going to be everything that I know about your mom from my perspective and what I've heard from her, from her family, and from whatever sources I have as much as I can. And I think it would um, be a um, kind of good way to be able to share this in case anything happens to me or uh, just for us to share it together in the future. And also, I'm kind of as time goes on I forget more and more of it so I also want to preserve it for that reason in particular about your mom it is um kind of yeah it's she well I guess we can start off there so she was born in 1983 and today would have been her 35th birthday and um she passed away in on August 7th, 2013. So that was three months after you were born, Penelope. And um, as she was growing up as a kid, she um, had a mom and dad until she was about five. I think it was five. It might have been four. Her dad passed away when he was... Um, when she was four or five and she was raised by her mom for the rest of her young childhood uh later on she her mom ended up marrying um her husband and she later on she knew him as her dad and treated him and felt that he was her dad so that is um kind of later on as she became a teenager and and through her adulthood she always felt that um she he was always her dad um then so uh from her early childhood i really don't know much so if um somebody else is watching that knows maybe her sister's or her sister, her brother, um, her mom, because I know they watch the uh, channel occasionally. So if you guys know, let me know now and then comments more stuff about her childhood because I really don't know much about her early childhood. Um, I know a little bit. So I know that um, at times you guys, they didn't have much money. So there was a period of time where they actually lived and on the beach and um, they actually owned a van and they would be camping on the beach on their old their for her young childhood and she actually didn't see it as a bad thing she was kind of young enough where it was like an adventure for her every day I know talking to her mom um, she was very kind of worried and kind of sad about having to go through all that but as a kid Kristen actually kind of enjoyed it and she saw it as an adventure so 
that was a fun time for her being able to live on the beach and experience that every single um, day and evening uh, night and she got to see the sunset in California and um, every day uh, every evening when she went to bed so that was that um, the next thing that I know is when she became a young teenager she um, became uh, she found out well I don't know if it, she was quite a teenager I know she was an adolescent though she went into diabetic coma and that's when she found out that she was type 1 diabetic um, I know it was like she was in the coma for a, a few days to a couple weeks um, and she told me that when she was in the coma that there was uh, one thing that she remembers before she woke up, she remembers a doorway, a bright doorway, and seeing her dad in the doorway with somebody else. Uh, the other person was really bright. She couldn't tell who it was, but she believes um, all the way through her life that that was God together with her dad. And um, she desperately tried to get through the doorway to be with them, but they wouldn't let her. They told her that there was something that she had left to do in her life. And, um, with that kind of element, she, uh, when she woke up, they didn't tell her when, before she woke up, but she said that she knew, like, what that one thing that she had left to do with her life and she was supposed to have a child and that ended up being you Penelope uh so Penelope uh I mean she woke up and she kind of went through all the stresses of kind of teenagehood and things like that uh, kind of like normal kids um but there was some kind of interesting stories that went along with her teenage years because she was um, diabetic so she needed to kind of learn how to cope with those kind of things learn how to uh, measure her blood sugar uh, make sure that she um, kept that all in balance and things like that um, then also I know that she went one summer to visit her grandparents in um, in Big Bear, California, and they owned a pizza restaurant there, and um, she wanted to spend the summer there with them, and um, there's kind of like this th element in her life where I've heard a whole bunch of different stories from different perspectives at this point in her life, so um, I kind of am getting all the information and telling it the best way that I can because um, and putting more weight on what Kristen told me because that's who I believe the most. So, um, Chris, uh, when she went over to her grandmother's house, she, um, her grandmother got her mom to write a letter for her saying that she can take her to the doctor and that uh, if anything happens, she can take care of her and things like that. And um, her grandmother took that opportunity, from my understanding, and took it to the um, court to actually get custody of her and say that she couldn't, uh, her mom couldn't take care of her and that she was passing her on to her, um, which her mom 
didn't do. Kristen says that she did it, and her mom says that she did it. Um, later on, years, years later, um, because her mom was sending her letters at her grandmother's house, and her grandmother was hiding them and never let them uh, get to her. She actually would say, um, does not live here, return to sender, um, if I'm not mistaken. But they would go back to her mom and her mom had the stack of letters and showed kind of all the postage stamps and the um, all the information to kind of show, yeah, I was trying to communicate with you. I didn't have money. I couldn't get over there. Um, but she ended up staying with her grandma for several years. And with that um, kind of Within that time, she thought that she was abandoned from her mom, but her mom was actually trying to get a hold of her and trying to get back to her, but she didn't know exactly where in Big Bear she was. And like I said, she didn't have much money at the time, So, and she lived in Arizona at the time. So getting there and being able to kind of figure that out, she couldn't do on her own. Eventually, she was able to do it, but it took a couple years from my understanding. Um, but with that going on, she um, actually, uh, her grandfather, she really loved him and he passed away while he was, th they were living there. She was living there, so, um, but she has completely fond memories of her grandfather and he, that he was the greatest the guy. She actually says that I, she, that I reminded her a lot of him, so um, I don't know what that says but she s did say that I reminded her a lot of him um, then um, they also owned a pizza restaurant which Kristen at the time didn't like but at, when she looked back on it she actually really enjoyed being able to work and spend a lot of time at the pizza restaurant and she actually learned a lot and she gained a passion for cooking and um, culinary work and that kind of stuff um, and that stayed with her for the rest of her life because she loved uh, cooking and being in the kitchen and things like that. It was something that was a hobby of hers that she truly enjoyed. Um, she was still a teenager during this time. And uh, one of the things that she told me that ended up kind of affecting her health-wise a lot and mentally as a teenager, I mean, everything ends up being her decision so she decided to do everything from this point but i she tells me that she was teased a lot from her grandmother because of her weight and she would pinch her on the sides of her stomach going up and down the stairs saying um fatty 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 and kind of chasing her and teasing her like that and uh i don't know if that was malicious or anything like that but in Kristen's mind it was that teasing really kind of affected her and it, she really uh, felt conscious about her weight all the time. So um, there's a condition that some diabetics get, especially through the teenage years, where they become uh, bulimic and they actually manipulate their blood sugar to control their weight. So, um, and that is actually really dangerous for your health. And But she was doing that because she can drastically control and lose weight by manipulating her blood sugar and um, also not eating, being bulimic and that kind of stuff. So um, those health issues kind of through her teenage years, actually, even after she stopped, after she was in her 20s, actually became really 
deep rooted into like her so she had weak teeth weak bones and things like that which caused future health issues um after that in her 20s again another time of her life where i don't know much because i met your mom when she was um after 25 maybe 26 something like that um 25 26 around that age um so i don't know much of her early 20s but uh, in her mid 20s i met her when she was at platt college and she was studying graphic design um, at that point, I was actually a professor at the um, college there. I was teaching in the 3D digital design program. So I wasn't in her, uh, wasn't teaching in the program that she was in, but I was a teacher there at the university. Although me and your mom were actually only six months apart. So I just started college when I was 15. So I was really far ahead um, education wise because of that but um that's a different story the um so uh i did teach a couple of her classes but at that point we weren't dating we had no inkling of dating or anything like that actually one of her friends tells me that she used to tell her all the time that hey you should hit on the professor and try to get a good grade out of this class and um later on we would joke around because um I never failed her, but I did give her a C in uh, a couple of the classes that she took with me. Um, but she ended up graduating with her associate's degree in graphic design, and she went to go to, um, yeah, she graduated and left, and I didn't see her for months, a year, something like that. And later on, we saw her at a mutual friend's at a mutual friend's birthday ha party. Yeah, okay. A minute. I'm recording. I see. Penny just walked in. I see. I'm recording something for you, Penny. Do you want to say hi really quick? So that way you can remember. Say hi. Hi. This is for you in the future. Okay. Okay? You going to go finish watching TV? Yeah. Okay. See you later. I you oh, I love you too. <laughs> Close the door, please. Thank you. I love you, I love you too. <laughs> Sorry about the interruption, but I think she'll like to hear that in the future. So I'm going to leave that in. Um, let me get a little bit of water because it's summer and it's really hot. Hot in here. So... Um, yeah, uh, it was like about a year after she graduated, a mutual friend of ours had a birthday party and, uh, we reunited at that birthday party. And at that point we started dating. Um, we dated for maybe a year and a half and then we got engaged and we were engaged for another year and a half <laughs> until we got married. So during that time where we were dating and we were um, engaged, um, actually she moved in with me because I owned my own or not owned, but I rented an apartment at the time and she moved in with me within a month of us starting dating. 
and then in the within uh so we moved in together and like i said we it was about a year year and a half before we got engaged and um i'm sure there's records of when we got engaged somewhere in uh in Facebook so we'll look that up and I'll put that in the show notes at some point uh, so we originally planned a wedding and um, that one actually didn't work out because she got sick and she ended up being in the hospital she was hospitalized for over three months and she ended up um, being in long-term care. Uh, what ended up happening was she, that she had pancreatitis, although at the beginning they didn't know what she what was going on. They actually thought that she was relapsing into bulimia and all that kind of stuff, but um, she couldn't keep anything down because of the pancreatitis, and it was actually painful for her to eat anything, and it took her, them like almost two and a half months to figure that out. Once they did, they were able to help her out and get through it, um, but that was a really tough time for her. Um, we did postpone the wedding by a few months because of that. We were supposed to get married in November, um, and I wrote down some dates so that I can make sure that I remember because it's been a long time and we haven't celebrated our anniversary or anything like that. So we actually got married on March 10th, 2012. So that was almost a year before you were born. So we didn't get married because we you got pregnant with you or anything we actually were married and then we spent time together um and at this point Kristen was actually not able or the doctors told us at least that she wasn't able to have children because she had had a menstrual cycle for years and years already and the doctor said because of everything that's been going on with her body and everything that she wouldn't be able to have children and that was devastating to her but she kind of came to terms to that because she felt that she um, couldn't, I mean, there was nothing she could do about it. So um, me and her, we actually spent a lot of time um, having fun. We actually, um, just because we wanted to be healthier, we started eating better. We started exercising regularly. We had a personal trainer. And I think during this time, because of all the exercise and eating well, her body started getting like much stronger and better it's like from what people have told me and from my experience like she was healthier than i had ever seen her and more kind of energetic and uh, happy and things like that but um people that have known her her whole life said that she never seemed that um excited and lively in her whole life until that point so um, while well, all that happens, and I strongly feel like the health, the eating, the exercise got her to the point where she could actually have a baby. She never had a menstrual cycle, but she immediately got pregnant with Penelope, Kristen. Kristen got pregnant and we had you. When we found out you, she was pregnant, um, Kristen actually had a few names in her mind from childhood that she wanted to name her uh, baby and 
uh, that night we ended up having dinner. We had steak, I believe. And then we went to go watch a movie. The movie we ended up going to go see was Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, later on, we discussed uh, baby names and things like that. And I felt that um, it'd be kind of cool to name her after something like a name that wasn't someone that we knew or some like kind of a passed down name. So that way she can start her own uh, traditions, her own legacy, basically. And um, what we kind of started talking about and we're excited about was the character in the movie Wreck-It Ralph. So we actually named her after Vanellope Von Sweets, although we thought Vanellope was a little weird and people would get confused and because it's not as common of a name so we changed it to Penelope so that way it would be kind of more of a mainstream name and people wouldn't get confused but the origin of her name was the character from Wreck-It Ralph, um, Vanellope Von Sweet. So from the point that we found out that Kristen was pregnant we actually uh, she was in high-risk pregnancy right from the beginning they wanted to make sure she was like in weekly um, doctor's meetings and making sure that everything was going right checking all her vitals checking on the baby Penelope and making sure that everything was going smoothly and um, through most of it everything was going smoothly and at about 25 weeks they noticed that Penelope started growing so Penny stopped growing inside of your mom and also her kidneys started failing. So not Penelope's, but Kristen's kidneys started failing. And um, they said that they were going to need to do dialysis, but that was dangerous while she was pregnant and they needed to make sure that she got through the pregnancy. So they hospitalized her at that point and they wanted to make sure that she was with um, fluids and that she had everything that you need she needed rested completely and um at 30 weeks and they were actually preparing just in case they needed to do an emergency c-section and they um were giving her steroids to make sure that penelope was strong enough so that she can breathe on her own if she had to do an emergency c-section early which they did she uh, had an emergency c-section uh, on um on your birthday may 8th 2013 and it, penny you were born at 30 weeks and you were two pounds three ounces and you were tiny you like from head to toe you would fit from palm to palm right here in my hands. So you were very tiny, but you were a very cute baby. Even from the beginning, like um, everybody was saying that like, you were super cute, even though you were so tiny. Um, so with uh, when you were born, you were born in the emergency, well, not emergency room, but an operation room. So it wasn't like a normal um, maternity area because you went straight into the NICU to make sure that everything was okay with you and your moms went straight to the ICU and you guys actually didn't get to directly see each other for another couple days um your mom and your mom saw a photo of you right away because the doctor took a picture with their phone and showed it to her but she didn't get to hold you or see you until two days later 
and um, we did put the picture of you, your mom, with you inside of your incubator. Although you didn't need any oxygen or anything like that, but you did have um, I forget what it's called, but the orange color at the skin where you need UV rays and things like that. So um, they uh, had you in the incubator to be able to give you the UV rays. And there's some photos where you have kind of like the sleeping mask on because it would, uh, they wanted to protect your eyes. Um, but the steroids that they gave you and your mom actually helped out because you didn't need a respirator. You were able to breathe on your own. You were a really strong baby. Even before we left the NICU, you were actually like standing up. You were like a preemie baby standing on your two feet, like obviously with me holding your hands, but you were supporting yourself, which was amazing. Everybody was like amazed in that. Um, I remember that the nurses there at Loma Linda Hospital, they were amazing and they actually would um, like carrying you and parading you around to all the other um, areas where the babies were because they, um, me and your mom would always dress you in uh, very cute dresses and things like that and you were really pretty so they were like whatever nurse got you for that night was excited to be able to get you and they'd be like oh yeah i got penelope they were really excited about it um so after a couple days your mom got out of the nick or didn't get out of the icu it took about two weeks before she got completely out of the icu but they let her do uh, little trips down to the NICU to be able to see you because of the situation. They knew that she was uh, not feeling well and that she just had you and they wanted you guys to be able to uh, bond and have time together. So um, even though she was weak, she'd spend an hour or two every day coming down and I'd help her. I'd come down and get with a wheelchair and transfer her from the ICU down to the NICU. Um, about a month after you were born and doing that for another uh for about a month she was released and we started doing dialysis with her at the home they trained us and they showed us how to go through the whole process of doing dialysis and that was a lot of learning but um everything was like super clean and sterile in the house and we had to make sure everything was uh done perfectly so that way she wouldn't get an infection or anything like that um and then shortly after that, actually work was amazing. At that time, I was working at the Art Institute. They gave me free time so that I can spend time learning that and be with um, your mom and be with you. And then um, I did start working shortly, um, ab about like a month and a half afterwards again. Um, and then um, basically I was going to work, coming to the hospital, and I would stay there with you guys and then go back um, home, sleep, and then go back to work. So it was kind of 24 hours, just you and your mom and work. <laughs> um, and your mom at that point, um, she was spending time with you most of the all, uh, but also family because her mom and her brother and her sister all came down to go see you and um, take care of the house and help everything around and stuff like that. So that was really amazing of them to be able to come down and help with everything around the house. Um, and then on the... Uh, day that she passed away, which was August 7th, 2013, so almost three uh, months after 
you were born well like basically exactly three months after you were born it was actually the day before you were released from the NICU um it was the day that she passed away so she came uh we actually were that day we went uh to do some dialysis training and then we went down to the um the cafeteria in the um, hospital to go visit you uh, but we were having lunch before we went up and then we went up the elevator and we checked in at the um, NICU and at that point she started feeling a little faint um, she was getting dizzy and I asked her if she was okay there was um, the lady I forgot what was her responsibility she was like a social worker the social worker was there with us and she made sh um, she was like a little worried too and she was like are you okay do you need some water and she's like I just need a rest I'm a little tired and um, she recovered got up and walked and we got in washed our hands because it was this whole sterile situation where we were at so we washed our hands went in and we went to go visit you where your crib was and um as we got into the room where you were uh your mom fainted and she passed out so we were at the hospital and within seconds the doctors were there helping her so if there was any possibility of her being able to recover from what just happened it was like the perfect place because there were like literally less than 10 seconds there were doctors there helping her and uh within a couple minutes she was down in the er room so there was like no place better with better doctors or better care that she could have been in my opinion um what ended up happening was that she had a pulmonary embolism um she did recover um she did recover a couple times um where she regained consciousness um i got to talk to her she was very terrified and scared um she didn't know what was happening um the um when we got down to the er they cleared out a room immediately and had her getting in there because they wanted to get vitals and things like that for her um and these um they got her fluids and everything and medicine and um then she passed out again and they started cpr at this point because she's her heart started slowing she started her breathing started slowing and um, they were able to revive her about like 10 minutes later again and at that point they wanted to put a um, put her on a respirator so they wanted to put it like holding her throat and um, her first instinct because she didn't know what was going on was to um, ask or say no basically and so they couldn't do anything without her approval and um, I wasn't in the room at the time, so they went and got me. I was right outside of the room um, because they had like maybe 10, 15 people there working on her and making sure that she was staying stable. So um, they got me. I went and talked to her. I told her kind of what was going on from what I knew at the time. And I told her that the doctors are trying to help her. And then she agreed um, with what um, the doctors were trying to do and they um, started doing what they needed to do she was completely compliant from that point on and um, 
two or three oh i they asked me to go away from the room um the last things we said to each other which i think was amazing we were able to say i love you to each other one last time and we both said it to each other we held each other's hand and i walked out and um the next time i saw her um she wasn't she hadn't passed away yet but she was like at that point where she was going to because basically they tried to revive her for another hour and couldn't and they told me basically at this point whenever we stop working on her she um her body isn't um, sustaining it herself and if we were to able to revive her she would have permanent brain damage she'd basically be brain dead and they said that they can't stop until she's dead but that there's really no hope from this point so they asked me to kind of um kind of give them permission to stop and she actually had a advanced directive which basically already told me and told everybody in her family that if there was a situation like this where she would have to live on machines or that she um, would be brain dead or anything like that, that she didn't want that. So based off of her wishes on her advanced directive, I told the doctor and from the doctor's advice, because the doctor said at this point, there's not anything else we can do. Um, we can keep on trying and that they would keep on trying if I told them to, but that from what he sees and from his experience, there's nothing at this point that they can do. So um, uh, I told them, okay, give it five more minutes. <laughs> and um, they went for five more minutes. They weren't able to do anything. And basically at that point, they stopped CPR. Um, the only thing that they had was her oxygen level and her heart rate so that they can record time of death. And then um, at that point, it was me and my mom in the room with her. They, everybody else left, and they left us alone with her. And um, actually, there was a nurse there to be able to record the exact time of death. And um, at that point, I was holding her hand, and um, she passed away. So that was kind of her last day. And like I said, she was on her last day. She was there to see you because you were the most important thing of her life. And she cared for you 100%. And there's actually a video uh, of her talking about that before she had the C-section. And um, I'll, I definitely share that with you every year. So hopefully you remember that. If not, it's online all over the place. So um if somebody sees this and wants her to know it, just know that that video exists and look it up. Um, but um, after she passed away, I, a lot of people came together. The nurses from the Loma Linda Hospital actually got a care package and a lot of money for the funeral together. Um, and other family members got diapers and uh, blankets and a whole bunch of stuff. So... I'd say like for the first year we were pretty set on baby supplies because everybody was so amazing and being able to help us be able to um, get through this hard time. Um, at that point, um, actually, uh, I remember talking to her, one of her friends, um, and she said that 
um, a few days before she passed away that she was talking to her and that uh, Kristen was telling her that there was she had like this feeling that she wouldn't get to see Penelope come home and um, she shared that with me so um, she never told that to me but so um, you'd have to ask her to see the legitimacy of that but she told that to me so and I believe her and um, so she was like terrified of like what happened happening and um, so that was a sad thing because she loved you so much and she wanted to be able to see you grow we had plans on a lot of things to be able to do with you as you grow up and um, I try to keep a lot of that alive but also it's me and you now so we get to make our decisions and make the best life that we can now so um, that is the story of your mom the best that I know it um, and like I said, if you guys knew her um, or if you have any questions for me that might kind of trigger something that I might remember, let me know in the comments right now and I'll um, know, I'll kind of respond to it so that way uh, Penelope has some way to access that. Also, if you didn't know her and want to say something in the comments section, go ahead and write that in the comments section to some memories of her uh, because like I said, I knew her for the last part of her life. I didn't know her in her 20s, her teens, or her um, childhood. Um, she passed away when she was uh, 30, so I knew her from about 25 to 30 and five years. Um, but those five years were amazing, and we truly loved each other, and we loved you, Penelope. All right, so that is the story, and... Uh, uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.